Good morning, Africa, and welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vongani in Washington. Today is Tuesday, June the 14th, and here are some of the stories we're covering for you this morning. The Court of Appeal in the United Kingdom has given the go-ahead to a controversial plan to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. Those are stateless people who don't have any status in the UK or... And we need to we just decided to give our contribution to a solution to illegal migration. In Malawi, Parliament has called for suspension of the sale of about 100,000 metric tons of maize to Zimbabwe. I personally look forward to working with you to remove all barriers to trade, to open our borders, and to establish air links between our two countries. The Somali government has agreed to lift the ban on Kat or Mira from Kenya to Somalia. We'll have those stories and more coming up right here on Daybreak Africa. Stay tuned. And for our top story, the Court of Appeal in the United Kingdom has given the go-ahead to a controversial plan to send asylum seekers to Rwanda. The head of the United Nations Refugee Agency has described the plan as, quote, catastrophic. As part of an initial deal, Britain will send to Rwanda some migrants who arrived illegally by crossing the channel in small boats from Europe. The UNHCR has said that Rwanda lacks the capacity to process the claims and there is a risk that some migrants could be returned to countries from which they fled. A British High Court judge refused on Friday to grant a temporary injunction to block the flight. And on Monday, three judges on the Court of Appeal upheld that decision. Eugène Wimana has more on this story from Rwanda's capital, Kigali. For several weeks, human rights activists, campaigners and migrants in the United Kingdom have been trying to block the government policy of sending asylum seekers to Rwanda. The deal between London and Kigali is called the Migration and Economic Development Partnership. The UK says it will cost around 158 million US dollars for accommodation and integration activities. Refuting critics who say the plan violates human rights, the UK's Home Secretary Priti Patel says it's a lifesaver instead. We want to break, we want to stop this this vile trade, this inhumane trade where criminal gangs and smugglers are just profiteering and making so much money and doing all sorts of inhumane things to people that are coming over in lorries and also in boats. According to the BBC, due to protest against the departure of asylum seekers to Rwanda, the number of identified passengers has fallen to close to single figures. Meanwhile, on the side of Rwanda, preparations have been concluded. Recently, the government unveiled five facilities that will host those migrants and asylum seekers who will have flown more than 4,000 miles away from the country of their dream, the United Kingdom. Vincent Biruta is Rwanda's Minister of Foreign Affairs. Those are stateless people who don't have any status in the UK. Or, and we, need to, we just decided to give our contribution to a solution to illegal migration. And uh, we are going to provide these people with... Uh, minimum for them to be able to live a dignified life. We are going to invest in uh, skill development. We are going to invest in social economic integration of these people. While in Rwanda, the government says the asylum seekers will be free to move around the country and have access to development projects as do other residents. As of now, the exact number of those who will board the plane from London is not yet known, as the exact time of their arrival on Tuesday is also not known. 
I'm Ejen Wimana for Daybreak Africa in Chigari, Rwanda. Authorities in Nigeria's southwest Ondo state are abstaining from observing a national celebration marking Democracy Day. This after last week's killing of worshippers in a Catholic church in Owo. Timothy Obiezu reports. Ondo state officials announced the cancellation in a statement ahead of Monday's commemoration of the June 12th national holiday. State Governor Rotimi Akiridoli said on Twitter it was necessary to honor the victims of bloody church attack last Sunday. Heavily armed men invaded the St. Francis Catholic Church in Owa towards the close of service, detonating explosives inside the auditorium and shooting at worshippers. Hundreds of people had gathered there that day. State authorities have said 40 people were killed that day and 87 others injured and are being treated at hospitals. They say the terror group, the Islamic State of West African Province, or ISWAP, carried out the attack. Following the violence, churches in Owa were shot on Sunday. Resident Uzo Okafo says they're scared of more attacks. Other churches that is not Catholic, most of them do not go to church. Because of the fear, fear, fear of something that happened last week. Yeah, I did not go to San Francisco today. I did not go there. I don't even attend church today. I only in the house. The reason behind last Sunday's shooting remains unclear. State Police Public Relations Officer Fumilaya Odulami said authorities are investigating the incident, but it is the first time a terror group has targeted southwest Nigeria. Terror groups have been waging war in the northeast and northwest parts of the country for years. Security experts say the attack is a sign that groups are expanding their bases in Nigeria and warn that things might escalate. Meanwhile, Catholic Church authorities have begun a cleanup of the church, clearing chunks of debris from bombed structures as well as heavy bloodstains from the church. A resident priest who declined to comment says recalling the incident would affect his mental health. The church Katki says the cleanup is a sign that the church is moving on, but says it could take many weeks before the church is reopened. The damages in the church is much. Uh, the damage in the church, I think when you enter there, you see all these things there. So, but we see just to clean the blood inside the church and purify the church once more, then the church will continue. continue. Even though I cannot be in the church, you can stay outside and continue to have our mass. The Catholic Diocese of Ondo this week announced a mass burial for the victims scheduled for Friday. National and state authorities are expected to attend. Nigerians will go to the polls next February to elect a new president. Security will be a major issue in national debates in the lead-up to the vote. Timothy Obiezu, Daybreak Africa, or Ondo State. Nigeria. And let's go to Southern Africa in Malawi. Parliament has called for suspension of the sale of about 100,000 metric tons of maize to Zimbabwe, citing looming hunger in Malawi and irregular procurement processes in the maize sale deal. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre. Last month, Malawi's National Green Market, um, Agriculture Development and Marketing Corporation, or ADMAC and the Green Millers Association of Zimbabwe signed a 22 million US dollar maize deal, which was expected to start in July under the contract. ADMAC was expected to sell about 100,000 metric tons of the green to Zimbabwe, currently facing maize shortages because of poor harvests. However, the Malawi parliament 
wants the contract cancelled, saying the country needs to keep its crops to ward off hunger. Samia Suleiman is the chairperson for a committee on agriculture in the legislature. He says it is concerning that a 50-kilogram bag of maize is currently selling at about 15 U.S. dollars from about 7 U.S. dollars in January. Currently, as a country, we don't have sufficient stocks of maize to feed us. Uh, at the moment, Malawians are paying close to 15000 for a bag of maize. At this time, maize is supposed to be cheap because people are harvesting. But maize is at the highest price, giving a sign that uh, we have less maize on the ground. And we don't know the output uh, that is there this year. The harvest doesn't look that promising. Suleiman also says another reason for cancelling the deal is that Admark failed to follow proper procurement procedures. The board is selling this maize without the knowledge of the management. Imagine a whole board member drafting an agreement, a memorandum of understanding to sell 100,000 metric tons on a plain paper, not even a letterhead of Admark. Uh, something is not adding up. Alexander Gusamba Zonzi is the board chairperson for Admark. He said Admark management was well represented in all the board meetings concerning the maize sale to Zimbabwe. However, he says the decision to sell the maize to Zimbabwe was based on inaccurate information provided by the Green Marketing Corporation. Because when we were discussing with the Zimbabweans, the general manager did assure us that we have about 165,000 metric tons, and we thought that was enough to take uh, the 100,000 metric tons to Zimbabwe. But now we are learning these things. It is as if deliberately information was withheld from the board. Josie said the admark decided to sell maize from last year's harvest to meet some of its debt and to create storage space for the maize they planned to buy from farmers this year. In the meantime, Malawi's Minister of Agriculture says it has written the country's green market, um, Admark, to suspend the sales to Zimbabwe. Media reports in Zimbabwe this week say that the country needs just over 2 million tons of maize to address food shortages there. Lamek Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. Debrick Africa continues. The Somali government has agreed to lift the ban on cut or mira from Kenya to Somalia. The leaves and stems of the shrub are used as both a stimulant and a medicine in parts of East Africa. A ban on the transport of the plant was imposed two years ago due to COVID-19 restrictions. The agreement comes after Kenya's president Uhuru Kenyatta met Somalia's newly elected president Hassan Sheikh Mohamud during his inauguration last week in Mogadishu. The two heads of state are set to sign an agreement Tuesday during a meeting of the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, or IGAD, in Nairobi. Maureen Ojambo has more on this story. Somalia's two-year ban on the drug from Kenya has been lifted following diplomatic talks between the two heads of states. Kenya had strained relationship with Somalia under the leadership of former President Mohamed Abdullahi Farmajo, who had accused Kenya of political interference. Cut, also known as Mira, is a stimulant whose leaves are chewed to elevate mood or cause euphoria. It's also used for medicinal purposes in the parts of the Middle East and in Eastern Africa. 
before the ban. A report from the Kenya National Bureau of Statistics indicated that Somalia was Kenya's key mirror market, taking in about 50 tons of the commodity daily, which amounted to more than 170,000 US dollars per day. Kenya Secretary of Agriculture Peter Munya says that the export of the crop will resume soon. Mira market will be open in the next two weeks. What is being done now is what we call preparation work to ensure everything is ready. Bilateral air services agreement will also be finalized because we already have the draft and the required elements have been finalized. Mira traders from Kenya are expressing their support for the new government in Somalia. Farmajo's administration had signed an agreement with Ethiopia under which Somalia exported seafood to Ethiopia while Ethiopia exported Mira or CART. That deal sidelined Kenya, which was the main exporter of Mira to Somalia. Kenya's President Uhuru Kenyatta, speaking in Mogadishu last week, asked Somalia for a regional cooperation. Kenya's desire is to further consolidate and forge closer relations between our two countries for good neighborliness and social economic cooperation, regional stability, which is in the best interests of our people. I personally look forward to working with you to remove all barriers to trade, to open our borders, and to establish air links between our two countries so that our people can come closer together. Analysts say Mogadishu and Nairobi had a confrontational relationship during President Farmajo's regime. It worsened by a ruling by the International Court of Justice, ICJ, that affirmed Somalia's claimed over Indian Ocean waters thought to be rich in oil and gas. Economist Ali Khan Sachu says that the strained relationship between the two states may be restored soon. He says the relaxation of Mira exportation rules is a win for the Kenyan farmers. Mira farmers suffered quite considerably because Somalia is a lucrative market for Mira. Whether it's going to hurt Ethiopia is a different matter. I think, you know, Ethiopia has a huge domestic market and therefore I think will be little hurt. It's worth also considering that uh, Mira, a lot of Mira was exported into the United Kingdom until that ban was introduced. So Mira um, farmers had been hit not only by the Somali situation, but also by the situation in the United Kingdom. Direct flights between the two countries will resume Tuesday as the new government in Somalia promises to improve diplomatic relations. The ban had affected the economy of some parts of Kenya's eastern region, which depends mostly on the crop farming. This deal will also see Somalia resume the sale of seafood and other produce to Kenya. Reporting for viewers Daybreak Africa, I am Moreno Jumbo in Sacramento, California. And still in East Africa, in Uganda, teachers say they will go on strike beginning this Wednesday because the government has failed to fulfill its promise to raise teachers' salaries across the board. Instead, and according to Philbert Baguma, General Secretary of the Uganda National Teachers' Union, the government has chosen to discriminate by increasing only science teachers' salaries. Effective July 1st, the government says it wants to raise degree-holding science teachers' salary to 4 million shillings and about 3 million shillings for diploma-holding teachers per year. The government says that this would increase the number of science teachers and prevent the brain drain. Baguma tells VOS James Bate that if the government's proposal holds, even the most committed teachers would not want to enter the classroom again. 
We are going on strike because the government has failed to meet its obligation in terms of salary enhancement because in 2019, we had an industrial action. Government looked for part of the money and we were given 135 billion and they promised to go and look for more money. To our dismay, we just saw government coming up and instead started dividing teachers into science and art and saying the government needs science more than any other thing and therefore they should enhance the salaries of science teachers and the others should wait. Therefore, this kind of discrimination is not a welcome gesture to us as teachers and the reason why we are going for the strike. What do you make of the argument made by the government that um, once the salaries of science teachers increase because very few people are going into the science field and that uh, science teachers are harder to replace? That argument is baseless. By the way, in the Ugandan context, it is very difficult to get a teacher of language than a teacher of science. The last time I think I saw was that uh, the president or the government wanted to increase the salaries of uh, degree-holding science teachers to 4 million shillings, 3 million for diploma-holding teachers. 4 million shillings, that would translate about... Um, 1,100 US dollars. One million would translate to around 300 US dollars. You would find a teacher of humanity earning 300 US dollars per month while his counterpart is earning 1,100 US dollars per month. Even if you are too religious, you cannot have the motivation to continue teaching. So what do you say to those who might argue that the threat to go on strike is uh, more hurtful for students? Obviously, any time you go for a strike, it is the learners who are suffer. But going for a strike is not because we like strike. It is because that is the last resort. It's very nice to speak with you, sir, and uh, thank you so much for speaking with us on Daybreak Africa. You're welcome, sir, and thank you very much for looking for me. That was Philbert Maguma, General Secretary of the Uganda National Teachers Union, who was speaking with VOA's James Bati from Kampala. And still in Uganda, the government says it will ramp up efforts aimed at ending a surge in cattle raiding that has resurfaced in eastern Uganda's Karamoja region. President Yoweri Museveni says that he will deploy the army and technology to eradicate the act that has led to violence, poverty, and starvation in the area. Reporter Mugume Davis Rwakarinji has more from Kampala. Since mid last week, President Museveni has been in eastern and northern Uganda to find a solution to cattle theft, which has become an endemic problem. Museven made for talks with security organs, including the Uganda People's Defense Forces, intelligence organizations, police, and local area leaders. He says his government will deploy 
more soldiers in the region and make the practice, as he puts it, difficult. He promised to install cameras to monitor the situation. If you wanted to monitor cows moving between north and, and southern Uganda, you can actually do it. Not only depending on the roadblocks of those corrupt people who can be compromised, I can put the cameras and even myself in the state house watch them myself. So we are going to put cameras. The wrestlers are mainly Karamajong from within Uganda. But there are others that come from across the borders, like the Turkana from Kenya and Toposa from South Sudan. When the cattle raiding was at its peak, the government increased the army's presence in the area and put cows into crowds or enclosures for easy monitoring. But wrestlers have since reemerged with advanced tactics, involving the use of both sophisticated and rudimentary weapons. We removed many guns, 40,000. And the area became peaceful, but it seemed the ghost, the ghost of stealing remained there among the Karamajong. When they saw the soldiers from Achoripi had gone away, they said, ah, we should start again now. Local authorities have termed the latest trend of raiding as into courts commercialized, as wrestlers steal and sell their route in markets. Captain Chris Mike Okiria is the residence district commissioner for Kabong district, one of the areas that have been ravaged by cattle raiding. People in Kabong and most of Karamoja region are pastorous and depend on cows for daily and sell some of their animals to feed their families. Cattle thefts mean a loss of millions of dollars for the area. Captain Okiria says fighting wrestlers isn't an easy task. The activities of people in the community and collaborating with, uh, with the thieves eventually leaves gaps. So these people operate at night, they know the terrain so well, they sneak through valleys, which we don't sometimes guard very well. So you find we have uh, not been able to protect uh, and stop them. Riders also kill and harass people, and instituting the area means people are not able to go to their farms, resulting in famine. It remains to be seen if the latest tactics by the president will eliminate the crime. For VOA News, I am Mugume, Davis Rwakarinjin Kampala, Uganda. You're listening to Daybreak Africa on The Voice of America. In recent years, the Democratic Republic of Congo has significantly increased its use of the death penalty. Amnesty International Central Africa researcher Abdullaye Diara spoke to Rikish Ryok about the uptick and reasons the government has given, as well as the human rights concerns surrounding it. At least 30, uh, 373 new death sentences were handed down in 29 countries, an increase of 22% due to the sharp rise of, uh, in Democratic Republic of Congo and uh, also Mauritania. In fact, what we see in, is that more death penalty sentences was uh, decided by uh, courts in uh, DRC, and most of them are fight, um, due to the fighting increasing with the armed group in the country. But we have few, only few information on why this, uh, we can see this kind of uh, increase in this country. It's, we are just doing analysis about uh, how, how many cases we manage to document. So it's uh, really uh, difficult for us to explain how exactly and why exactly we can see this kind of increase. 
Is there concern about a lack of access to tools for justice, good defense lawyers, or you know, proper ability to defend oneself in DRC? Yeah, the, what, what, one of our advocacy against the death penalty is to say that what we saw is that most of the justice system have lack of uh, capability. And we can see that many uh, errors can happen and people w without a good lawyer and a uh, poor justice system can be uh, sentenced to death penalty. That's why we are uh, saying that it's important to stop this application of the death penalty and to uh, increase the level of the, of the justice system. That was Amnesty International Central Africa researcher Abdullaye Diara. He was speaking to Ricky Shryok from Dakar. And that's it for this edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending this morning with us. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vunga.